Thank you for choosing to listen to the Emmaus Radio Ministry Podcast. Each of these messages were given by various faculty, staff, and friends of Emmaus Bible College. To view each series as a whole, or for more information about similar Emmaus ministries, please visit concerninghim.com. That's C-O-N-C-E-R-N-I-N-G-H-I-M.com. Welcome back to our study of the Gospel of Matthew. Today we are in chapter 3, starting in verse 11, and we will go all the way through the chapter to verse 17. I've entitled this, Out of Water with Fire. Uh, because we'll see that the Lord Jesus is coming up out of the waters of baptism, and yet there's also a lot of talk here about him having fire, and he will baptize people with fire. Uh, if, if you're following along in your Bible, you may have an edition in which the unit starts in verse 13, and really verses 11 and 12 function as kind of like a hinge. We're talking, uh, the first section talks about John the Baptist's ministry and his message, and then 13 through 17 is talking about the baptism of the Lord Jesus. But in verse 11, John makes a, a shift in thought, and he stops from talking about the coming of the kingdom of God and the necessity of repentance to focusing in more specifically on the one who comes after him. And so here we're starting to find out more information about the Lord Jesus. So we'll find in verses 11 and 12 about his fiery baptism, that he will be the baptizer and he will baptize with the fire and spirit. And then in 13 to 17, he is the baptized in John's water. So let's start reading in verse 11 all the way through verse 17. John said, As for me, I baptize you with water for repentance. But he who is coming after me is mightier than I, and I am not fit to remove his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will thoroughly clear his threshing floor, and he will gather his wheat into the barn, and he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. Then Jesus arrived from Galilee at the Jordan, coming to John, to be baptized by him. But John tried to prevent him, saying, I have need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? But Jesus answering said to him, Permit it at this time, for in this way it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he permitted him. After being baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending as a dove and lighting on him. And behold, a voice out of the heavens said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Last time, we talked about the radical role and message of John the Baptist. He called people to repentance. And the reason he was so excited about repentance and getting people to change was because he believed that the kingdom of God was at hand. More than that, not just because he believed it, because it actually was at hand. Judgment was coming, and so people needed to get ready. And if they didn't, well, the image that he uses is the axe is laid to the root of the tree. People were going to be cut down and then thrown into the fire. We, th- we are then told that the one who would carry out this grisly judgment is the one who comes after him. And 
we are then told that with a, with another word picture that it's like he has a winnowing fork in his hand. Uh, the process here refers to separating the wheat from the chaff and the stuff that you don't want. The chaff is then scooped up and it is thrown into the fire. Matthew has a lot to say about fire. It's one of our most graphic gospels describing this judgment. Let me read to you just a few other occurrences of the word fire. In chapter 5, we're told that the one who insults his brother and calls him, you fool, will be liable to the hell of fire. The Lord Jesus will again use this uh, tree imagery himself at the end of the Sermon on the Mount and say that every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. In the parables, uh, he talks about the weeds being collected and being burned up with fire, so it will be at the end of the age. And then a couple verses later in verse 42, he talks about um, being uh, thrown into the furnace of fire where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And again, the same thing is repeated in verse 50 of chapter 13. In Matthew chapter 18, we we hear about it being better to enter into life maimed or lame than to have two hands and two feet and to be thrown into eternal fire. Again, in chapter 18, he talks about being thrown into the hell of fire. And in the great passage of Matthew 25, he says uh, to the goats, depart from me, you that are cursed into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. So when we read here about this fire imagery, it really is a graphic term. Uh, The idea that the Gospel of Matthew isn't really concerned about how people can escape going to hell, well, that just can't be substantiated from the text itself. That's a classic example of eisegesis, that is, reading into the text the things we're hoping are there, rather than exegesis, reading out of the text uh, what actually is there. John describes the superiority of the one who comes after him. Uh, In these words, in verse 11, He who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. Uh, This is a significant cultural reference. Uh, Craig Keener explains it this way in his excellent commentary on Matthew. Quote, In ancient Mediterranean thought, a household servant's most base tasks involved his master's feet, such as washing his feet, carrying his sandals, or unfastening his sandals thongs. Although ancient teachers usually expected disciples to function as servants, later rabbis made one exception explicit. Disciples did not tend to the teacher's sandals." With that in mind, it's like John is saying, I'm not even good enough to be his Uh, his disciple. In fact, more than that, I'm not even good enough to be his servant. I can't even carry his sandals. That's how much greater uh, the coming one is. Notice that that is what John the Baptist calls uh, the Lord Jesus. He is the coming one. You might miss this depending on the translation that you read. Some of them have uh, the one who comes or something like that. But here we have the participle, the coming one. For example, in Matthew chapter 11, John the Baptist will ask, Are you the coming one? And also later on, when we read of Psalm 118 being cited in the triumphal entry, the people will say, Blessed is the coming one in the name of the Lord. 
So this seems to be a messianic title. The coming one refers to the Messiah. Of course, uh, Jesus chronologically follows John, but he is the coming one as in the one that we've been waiting for. And as a side note, we can still use this title messianically. We can still refer to the Lord Jesus as the coming one. Hebrews 10.37, for example, quotes Habakkuk 2.3, Yet a little while, and the coming one will come and will not delay. Jesus was the one that the people were waiting for then, and we still wait for him today. When he comes, he will baptize with a baptism that is far greater than what John was doing. And John explains it this way. He will baptize with fire and also with the Spirit. Now, some people have taken fire here as a symbol of the Holy Spirit, thinking of Pentecost or things like that. The problem is that that's just not the way fire works in the Gospel of Matthew in other places, and most importantly, right here in Matthew chapter 3. That's not the way fire works. Fire is clearly a bad thing. You do not want to be dunked into fire in the way that uh, this image is being used. You could alternatively be baptized into the Spirit. And here there are other uh, Old Testament passages which predict this basic kind of idea. Let me read an, an exemplary text in Ezekiel 39, 28 to 29. Quote, Then they will know that I am the Lord their God, because I made them go into exile among the nations and then gathered them again into their own land, and I will leave not one of them there any longer. I will not hide my face from them any longer, for I will have poured out my spirit on the house of Israel, declares the Lord God. End quote. So here, uh, God's spirit is like water that's being poured out on top of the house of Israel. And that means that the, the end times have arrived. God's kingdom is here. And the people who are benefited by the presence of the Holy Spirit are, are the people who have the kingdom blessings. So it's like everybody will be baptized. But the choice is, what kind of a baptism do you want to have? Do you want to be baptized in the fire of judgment? Or do you want to be baptized in the Holy Spirit? This is the basic choice that uh, people have to make when they heard the message of John the Baptist. Would they repent or would they not repent? Now, if you did choose to repent, that means you confess your sins. You were to stand in line and be baptized by John. It might surprise us then that in verse 13, we find out that one of the people in this long line of those coming out to the Jordan River saying that they are sinners deserving of God's judgment and are asking for his mercy and are promising to do things new in the future, in, in that line, we find the coming one himself, that we find Jesus. Now, this is... Uh, something that, from a historical perspective, is kind of an embarrassing feature of the Gospels. Uh, not that I mean we should actually be emotionally embarrassed about it, but it's difficult for the church to explain it. Uh, now, that means, from a historical perspective, that it's highly likely uh, that this event was not just made up by the church later on. Because it does seem to put Jesus in the position of someone who's a sinner. And it does seem to put Jesus in the position of someone who is subordinate to John the Baptist. 
But of course, neither one of those things are true. So sometimes people will say these outlandish things like that later on in church history, people just made up these stories. Well, if that's the case, then you wouldn't make up stories like Jesus getting baptized with a sinner's baptism by John the Baptist. Now, to make sure that his audience does not come away thinking that Jesus actually was a sinner, uh, God himself speaks up at this baptism, and he makes a point of pointing out Jesus uh, and, and letting everyone know that he is different than everybody else in that long line. About Jesus only can it be said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. He is not a sinner in needing of repentance. In fact, just the very opposite. He is the one who has come to fulfill all righteousness. And by being baptized, he begins his ministry and the Holy Spirit comes on him. And because he has the Spirit, he then is uniquely qualified to be the one who can give the Spirit to others. He is uniquely qualified to baptize other people in the Holy Spirit. He alone is the one who can actually bring about people's forgiveness and usher in the time of the kingdom's blessings. And the choice was up to the people. Do they want the Lord Jesus as their judge, as their punisher, or do they want him as the one who will bring them the long-awaited blessings that are accompanied by the Holy Spirit? Now, there certainly is a lot more that we can learn about um, Jesus' baptism and what that says about who he is and how he fits into the Old Testament and uh, the mission that he came to accomplish. And hopefully we'll get to that in our next session. But before we finish today, I need to point out that this message that John the Baptist was preaching, the significance of who Jesus is, is not just a message for the Israelites almost 2,000 years ago. This dilemma, this, this fork in the road that the people had is still presented for us today, uh, right here, right now. We have a decision to make. Will we listen to this message? Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Will we take seriously that Jesus will either baptize us with fire or with the Holy Spirit? The choice is a, is a one between two options. It's either the kingdom of God or it is the fire of hell. We make that choice based on whether or not we will repent and listen to who Jesus truly is and accept him as our personal savior. Um, if you have never yet made that decision, I would plead with you to uh, trust in the Lord Jesus and to become saved and to be baptized with that Holy Spirit. And if not, the only alternative is to be baptized with fire. Thank you for listening to the Emmaus Radio Ministry Podcast. This ministry is possible because of the generous contributions from our partners around the world. For more information about partnering with us, please visit emmaus.edu partner.